Take your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three, and I want to give, I want to offer you a a word tonight from God's word about the wrong side of Jordan, the wrong side of Jordan. Joshua chapter three. <clears throat> One of the great sagas in all of Scripture has to do with the children of Israel and their escape, release, exodus from Egypt. Now, if you follow the children of Israel from the time they leave Egypt to the time they take the promised land, let me just say this to you. Somebody's cell phone's ringing. I hope it's God. If it's not, it's okay. If you follow the children of Israel from Egypt all the way to the promised land, you can learn about every lesson of life that you need to learn, both good and bad. Learned a lot about God. I, you know, in Egypt, now hang on with me. In Egypt, God stopped at nothing to get his children released from captivity. And he reminded everybody in the process who was really in charge. Then the children of Israel get out on the road and they come to the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, they have the enemy behind them and the water in front of them. There's no way to out, no way out. And God reminds us once again that it doesn't matter what's out there. He can always provide a way of escape. He will make a way through anything. Then they come to the wilderness of sin, and they're starving, and they're hungry, and they're uh, uh, thirsty. And God provides them manna, bird, water to meet their every need. Then they came to Mount Sinai, and then he gives them the laws to help them know how to live. And then they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. A place of decision. We can learn from Kadesh Barnea that there are grave consequences to being disobedient. For you see, they selected a committee. The majority report was, we can't do it. The minority report said, we better do it because God said, we can do it. And it was at Kadesh Barnea, at that place of decision, where they made the wrong decision. Now, let me tell you something about Kadesh Barnea. Let's just be sober just a second. Kadesh Barnea reminds us that we in our disobedience can make God so angry that he will take action. In fact, if you read that passage, I believe it's in Numbers, God said, okay, Moses, get out of the way and let me just kill him. And Moses didn't get out of the way. He said, wait a second, God, let's talk about this. And God said, okay, let's talk about it. And so when it was all over, God said, okay, I won't kill them on the spot. I'll send them to the wilderness and let them die naturally. And so you read Numbers chapter 33, and it chronicles a 40-year wandering in the wilderness aimlessly. No place to call their own. You read Deuteronomy and you find out about more detail about the wanderings. And you know that their leader is, is Moses. Except for a couple of little small victories at the beginning of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a sad book to me. Because Deuteronomy should be called the book of victory. And yet it's called the book 
of aimless wanderings because of what they did at Kadesh Barnea. Then as Moses began to pass off the scene, he challenged his people of what to do. God appointed Joshua. And as we get into Joshua, they have come back. And they've come so close now to the promised land where God has, has told them to go. They're so close that when, when Moses died, he went up on the mountaintop and he looked into the promised land. Because we remember from Bible history in Sunday school that God said you will never step a foot in the promised land. That was obviously in his earthly life because have you ever thought about it? God even re- relented and allowed Moses to step a foot in the promised land. Did you know that? On the Mount of Transfiguration. We have a merciful God, and he sees his children on the very banks of the promised land. They're on the wrong side of Jordan. I believe when Moses passed off the scene, he knew in his heart that the children that he was of Israel, that he was um, given the task to lead, he left on the wrong side of Jordan. Chapters 1. Of Joshua, he says, God says, get it all together. We're getting ready to go. Chapter 2 says you make preparations. And now we're going to read all of chapter 3. It'll take a minute, but it'll be worth it. You know, I'd like to ask you to stand, but if your hip's hurting as bad as mine, you don't want to stand, all right? Why don't you stand to honor God's word if you are, are capable of it? Just 17 verses. Joshua started early the next morning and left Acacia, left Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you must break camp to follow it. I'm going to pause right there to say you always have to break camp if you go to follow. You can't stay huddled up. Verse 4, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priest, take the ark of the covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the ark of the covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua in affirmation of leadership. Today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and he will certainly dispossess before you, the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gigasites, Amorites, and Jebusites, when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now, choose twelve men from the tribe of, tribes of Israel, one for each tribe. And when the feet of the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, comes to rest in the Jordan waters... Its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. And when the people broke camp to cross Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflowed its bank throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, 
Their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. And the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's my prayer tonight that as we just take a few moments to peer into your word, that we will let you speak through your word. We long to hear from you. We long to have hearts that are blessed by you, touched by you, guided by you. And Lord, help us be moved, even this night, from the wrong side of Jordan to the right side of Jordan. In your name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Can you imagine what it is like to be on the wrong side of Jordan? Can you imagine what it was like for that generation of Israelites? They had spent 40 years in the desert, and now here they are looking to the promised land. They had heard the stories. They had heard the rumors. They had heard about this promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And, and they're on the wrong side, and the, and the Jordan River is this big, massive river overflowing its banks. And they know where God wants them to go. Now, here's the question. Do they have enough faith to go across the river? Do they have enough faith to take the step? I fear most every church faces that choice at some time or another. I will not hide my my feelings, not to sway you, but just to tell you how convinced I am. This weekend, to me, is not so much about Johnny and Connie as as it is about Hueytown Baptist Church. Which side of Jordan we on? You look back over our history. Which side of Jordan have we come up to the waters and just gotten close and didn't go across? One church I pastored, 20 years prior to my being there, they had come to the place where they were out of space, needing to build, drew up the plans, started collecting money. And in some of the leadership, it came up, oh, you know, we got this military environment. We got these military people. We can't go into debt and build this building. And they backed off, and they never caught back up for 20 years on the wrong side of Jordan. What would it mean? What would it mean to us individually and collectively to leave the wrong side of Jordan? I think we can learn a few lessons right here. We leave the wrong side of Jordan. You know what it'll mean? It'll mean that we'll be what we have never been. Don't you like that? Scripture says, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself there in verse 5. Now, most all translations, most paraphrases, uses the word consecrate, except for two or three, who uses words like purify, make holy, or hallow. But in plain, everyday Alabama terms, it means prepare yourself. Prepare yourself to be what you have never been. We need to think about this generation. 
This generation of people spent their lives in the wilderness. And I'll refer to that a number of times. But here's what I will tell you. Now they're being called to be obedient like never before. You see, if you're ever going to leave that wrong side of Jordan and get on God's side of Jordan, it means becoming obedient to the point that we've never become before. By the way, do you know there's no such thing as partial obedience? You have two standards. It's obedience and disobedience. I don't believe that, Jerry. Well, you know, you kinda, we kind of can't change standards. You know, I can get back on this morning. Uh, submission. It means one thing for the church to submit to Christ or man to submit to God and something entirely different for children to submit to parents and husbands and wives submit to husbands and things like that. You understand what I'm saying? When we get to obedience, us being obedient to God is different than children being obedient to parents. Somehow we change standards. And yet, in point of fact, the standard remains the same. Obedience, disobedience. If we are going to be what God wants us to be, we'll have to become what we have never become. And it will start right here with preparing ourselves. I'd like to think we spent some time, about the last 12 or 15 months, in a lot of different ways. We can talk men's ministry, women's ministry, leg ministry. We can talk of everything that we've done. I hope we've spent some time preparing ourselves to be individually what we have never been. Second thing that I would suggest to you from the Scripture, not only will we be what we've never been, but number two, we'll see what we've never seen. See what we've never seen. He says, consecrate yourself because... The Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Wonders among you tomorrow. Now, you know, for us, God had already been performing wonders among them for 40 years. He'd been providing manna in the morning, quail from time to time, water from the rock. He had been taking care of them. But you know what the truth is? When they decided to be what they had never been and become obedient, now God is going to be released to show them things that he has never shown them. You know some of the things that they saw? They saw those priests go down into the River Jordan, and they saw the water part. Now, you're going, no, Brother Jerry, these, some of these guys were little fellows when it happened, but it happened at the Red Sea. Yeah, but the last time God parted the waters, he was trying to make a way of escape from them. This time, he was parting the waters to lead them to victory. You see, God wants us to be victorious in our Christian life. They saw the waters part. If you go on through the history, they saw the walls of Jericho fall. They saw the city of Ai fall. They saw one victory after another. But I will pause to say this to you. Is that it's not just enough to see. And it's not just enough to be. The third thing I find here is that to leave the wrong side of Jordan, not only will we be what we've never been and see what we've never seen, we will do what we've never done. Let me just take a second and draw your attention to something. Do you have in your mind this generation of people that Joshua is leading? I mean, we know how many people left left um, Egypt. We know the result of their disobedience. Do you realize, first of all, now don't anybody charge the platform, beat me up. I'm just, I'm the reporter, okay? 
Do you realize that except for two people, there's nobody in this crowd over 60 years of age? Everybody else is younger. Do you realize that in this crowd, there's nobody that's ever known what it was to have a home place? They live for 40 years on the run, just moving around. And by the way, as they moved around, do you remember what it cost them, what they had to do for 40 years? I don't know all the things they did, but I know they had a lot of funerals. They had between 80 and 90 funerals a day, seven days a week for 40 years. That's the cost of being disobedient to God. And now here they stand. And God has sent through his leader, here is what we need to do. We need to to perform a victory. We need to go possess the land. The Lord will dispossess all those other people that are there. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Just crossing the Jordan is not enough. Hello? You think when you get across the Jordan, get on the right side of Jordan, everything's fine. But there is a warning here. If you follow the the track of the children of Israel, they didn't finish the job God gave them to finish. He told them to run all the people out. And they didn't do it. He told them not to intermarry. And they did do it. And you know what the result is? That the history of the Jewish people is written in the blood of their disobedience. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. If we leave the other side of Jordan, we have to stay the course. And we have to see it through. I don't know who finally won the second ball game today. Second ball game? First ball game. The Giants and the Eagles were playing. When I left to come back to the church, the Eagles were winning pretty handily. And the reason was the Giants never finished the drive. They never finished what they started. I'll just tell you this. When believing people don't finish what they start, the world winds up in a mess. When believing people don't finish what they start, the church winds up in a mess. When believing people don't finish what they start, they themselves wind up in a mess. You see, God's called us, I believe, as you read back in verse 6 of chapter 1, be, be strong and courageous. He's called us to be what we've never been, do what we've never done, see what we've never seen. And number four, go where we've never gone. Now, some of you think I'm about to get back on Star Trek, and I'm not going to, Okay. He says it right here. You have never, you haven't traveled this way before. Now, before I get real spiritual about this, let's just talk turkey among us country folks. I get excited about going someplace I've never been before. 1973, in a quartet, we were able to go across the continental United States I remember seeing, knowing that I was going to get to see, planning to get to see the Grand Canyon. I remember what it was like to walk 
into L.A. the first time. See the San Bernardino Valley. Some of us right here would like to go to places like Paris and Madrid and even the Bahamas. I remember what it was like the first time we went to the Bahamas in 1995. Boy, we got excited just making preparation to go. Isn't it interesting that in our, in our lives like that, we get excited about going where we've never gone before, but sometimes in the work of the Lord, we don't want to get excited about going where we've never gone before. And yet, wherever God calls us to be is where we need to be if we're going to find fulfillment, peace, happiness, and contentment. As a church, is the only place we're going to find a place for ministry. My call tonight, personally, is are you on the wrong side of Jordan? Have you come to Christ and, and He's in your life, but boy, you're going to do it your way or bust. You're going to talk your way or bust. You're going to think your way or bust. You see, we we are to be good citizens and submit to the government. Now, we're going to put this next up on the screen, and here's what I'm going to tell you. We may or may not read it all. Romans 13 is the most complete, the most complete section of Scripture on uh, submitting to the government. If you've not turned there, you can read it on the screen. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. Now, we need to think about that. When we resist, when we resist the government authority, we're opposing God's command. And those who oppose God's command will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid? Excuse me. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? That's easy. Do good and you will have its approval. For the government is God's servant to you for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. And every time I read that, I'm reminded of that word. Be afraid, be very afraid. Because it does not carry the sword for no reason. It doesn't have authority for no reason. It can execute judgment. For the for government is God's servant, an avenger, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of the wrath, but because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes. Collectively. I just asked the question, what side of Jordan are we on? I hope the challenge to us is that we want to be on God's side. Not the preacher's side. With respect, not Brother Terry's side. Not Brother Gary's side. Or anybody else. But I hope we want to be on his side. Leading people to know him. Making disciples for him. Expanding and enlarging our faith in him. Because we know that he will always come through. Let's pray together.